Are you excited for today? Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you're excited for today. Look at your second choice. Say, if you're not there, you will be. All right. All right. Make sure that they are excited. We are so thankful uh, for what God is doing in this place. And uh, man, I tell you what, the first service was fantastic. And uh, I just believe that the second service is going to be even better. Come on, somebody. Right. We're we're looking forward to see what God has in store for today. And, um, you know, I was I was sitting on the front row and I was thinking about the people that I invite to come and, and speak to you guys. And I was. I was reflecting a little bit on the first service and how, how amazing it was. And, and I was just thinking, man, you know, I feel like I gave my church a gift today. Today is a much anticipated day. We um, tried to do this on March 5th, our, our anniversary where we celebrated six years. We just turned six years old. And, um, and, and if you're, I mean, you can, you can clap for that if you want to. But I know the first service did. But um, we just turned six, and, and we had this great idea to have, uh, you know, I had just read this amazing book called God's Best Kept Secret. And... Um, I had gotten into a relationship with the author of that book, and uh, he had become my counselor. I looked in my, in my calendar, and I, I counted how many months I've been going to, to Mark, and I've been, I've been seeing Mark for 10 months now, weekly for 10 months, and um, it's been in, almost weekly. It's been incredible. Um, it's changed me, and it's changed us as a church, and... Um, on March 5th, we tried to present you a gift on the Refuge Church's birthday, and uh, God had other plans. Uh, he had a gift of 15 inches of snow the day before, and so um, because of that 15 inches of snow, uh, Mark was unable to, to get here, and, um, but we learn in God's word that God's timing is always perfect. You know, it's, it's, it's always perfect. It's never delayed. It's always on time. And I believe that because that is true, that today is the perfect day for what God wants to share with you. Wherever you're at, maybe you couldn't have been here on March 5th, but maybe God gave you a way to be here today. Today is your day. The day that God wants you to hear this message. And because of that, I couldn't be more excited for today. Mark's going to come out. He's going to talk to us about overcoming our past. And I'm pro I promise you, if you've ever wrestled with anything that you've done in your past, today's message is going to give you, if you apply it to your life, that's the part. You have to apply it to your life. He's going to give you some practical steps that you can apply it to your life. It will give you freedom that you've never seen before. I can't wait to share with you today my, my gift to you, my friend, Mark Malding.
Well, thank you, Adam. It really is great to finally be here. Uh, I've heard so many great things about you from Adam as well as Tanya. They love you. Uh, I get stories all the time of things God is doing. And uh, by the way, you have a wonderful set of co-leaders with Adam and Tanya, don't you, right? You are very blessed. I, uh, I, you're going to notice very quickly, you probably already have, that my accent is going to sound like I'm from the South, because I am. But, but, what I want you to hear today is the accent of Jesus through me. Because I've asked him to speak through me to you today, and let me tell you about his accent. His accent is truth. His accent is grace. His accent is love. And his accent is transformative. So that's who we're going to be listening to today, even though it will be coming through me and my little accent from the South. There's a lot of people who've never made peace with their past. They have things rolling around in their minds that have happened to them at the hands of someone else. And it's still there. And they don't quite know what to do with it. And it still bothers them. And they may never talk about it to anyone. Or they may talk about it to everyone. But it doesn't get resolved. Today, Jesus is going to help you make peace with your past. Because we're going to see a story about how to forgive other people. But also how to forgive yourself. I have four adult children my third is uh, my daughter. She's the best, by the way, just so you all know. And uh, she also has Down syndrome. She's really funny. I enjoy being with her. Uh, she'll come to me and she'll say, I have a disability. And I say, well, what's your disability? She says, I have Down syndrome. I said, well, what's my disability? She said, you're tall. And she's right. That's why my back hurts all the time, you know. She's exactly right. So she's funny. She's a lot of fun. So when she was in middle school, she's 31 now. When she was in middle school, she wanted to try out to be a cheerleader. And our approach and philosophy with her was we will let her try anything she wants to try. And we stuck with that. And so she learned the cheers, and I was amazed at the jump she could do, the word she could do. And she was like, yeah, you know, she could do the, you know, the cheering. I mean, she could, I mean, she had it down pat. And so the day came, though, after you know, a lot of practice and trying out, that they had the list of the girls that made it and the ones who didn't. And she was not on the list of those who made it. She was disappointed, like, you know, any girl would be for that. And so my wife uh, called and just wanted to find out, you know, it's okay that she didn't make it. Can you just give us an idea of, you know, what happened and what went on? And, and so through some things some adults said, what we were told was, well, she didn't make it because she bit other girls, uh, she hit other girls, and she cuffed at other girls. And we were like, what? That's, that's not who we know. That's, that's not our daughter. But we had no recourse, and so we thought, wow, we're in shock. But we didn't know what to do with it. About three months later, uh, our daughter, Becca, had 
a sleepover with a bunch of girls from school. They came to our house. My mom's up, my, my, my wife, excuse me, is up there doing their hair and makeup and all those kinds of things, just having a girl thing. And, and uh, one of the girls said to my wife, why didn't Becca make the uh, cheer team? And my wife said, well, you know, but she, we were told she, you know, bit other girls and hit other girls and, and she cussed at them and this girl goes, Miss Maudie, that's a lie. That never happened. I was with her the entire time. My wife calls me from downstairs and says, you better come up here. And I hear this story repeated. So then what we realize is some adult did not want our daughter on the cheer team and made up the lie to have an excuse not to put her on there. In that moment, we had a choice to make because we were angry. Wouldn't you be? We were angry, righteous anger. And we had a choice about what to do about this. We could live the rest of our lives in revenge and resentment and bitterness. Or we could forgive the people involved with this who did this dastardly deed against our daughter. Because it was nothing but prejudice, to be honest with you. Some of you have experienced that for different reasons. And we could... Choose to forgive them like Jesus says to do. We chose to forgive. And you know what? I can tell that story, and I feel nothing but peace. I don't feel any resentment. Neither does my wife. It happened. By the way, when you forgive, you don't forget what happened. It's just when you remember it after you forgive, it doesn't, it doesn't wreck you like it used to. And that's, that's the difference. And so... Peter asked Jesus this question about forgiveness. We're going to be in Matthew 18 today. And it's a great question. In verse 21, he says, Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied. But 70 times, seven. So here's Peter asking about forgiveness. I've often kind of imagined, who was Peter talking about? Eh, probably his wife, yeah. Um, no, 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 probably one of the other disciples. It was probably one of, the, you know, one of them. They were probably giving him trouble and whatnot. And, or maybe somebody he had business dealings with. Maybe it was his boss. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, mean, I don't think Peter's asking a theological question. He's asking a real-life question. I think he was really struggling with forgiving somebody. The Pharisees taught in that day, they were the spiritual teachers, you only have to forgive four times, and after that, you never have to forgive again. And some of you here are going like, I like that. That sounds good to me. But, but let's be honest. Isn't it difficult to forgive some people just one time? Right? I mean, some people have betrayed us. Some have abused us. Some have not loved us who should have loved us. Uh, some of you who have been in a dating relationship, uh, someone just suddenly broke it off with you and you thought things were great. One of your best friends talked about you behind your back. One of your children has hurt you. Uh, you, who have, you who have parent, maybe a parent has hurt you. I mean, a boss. I and mean, we could go down the line. Sometimes it's difficult to forgive somebody just one time. Just like that time my wife and I faced with our daughter in the, in the whole cheer situation. 
And so here's Jesus' answer. Seven times 70. In other words, you forgive people 490 times. Is that what he's saying? No, he's saying you always forgive people. You always forgive people. Why? So you can live free. When Jesus tells you to do something, it's so you can live a better life now. So you can live freer. It's not, it, we make it so much about, oh, it's, I don't want to sin. I want to do what's right. Okay, 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 fine, fine. But, but Jesus said, just do what I tell you to do so you can live free. Because the things he tells us to do are best for us. And they do give the Father glory, but they're best for us. So, forgiving some people one time seems impossible. And yet, we don't want to confuse forgiveness with reconciliation. Now, if you can reconcile with someone after you forgive them, that's, that's great. But some people you cannot reconcile with. Why? Uh, they don't want to reconcile, right? Or what they did makes them an unsafe person. They're not safe to be around. You just can't be around them. Or they won't, will not admit they did anything wrong. There's a number of reasons we can't reconcile. But again, if you can, great. But regardless, you forgive. And we're going to see you forgive them before God. You don't go to them. You go to God with your unforgiveness and the resentment and hurt that you feel. And we're going to talk about how to do that. In fact, Jesus is going to deal with this and help us with this. As Jesus often did to make his point, he shares a story. And in this story, I want to tell you about three characters. The first character is the king who represents God. The second character is the servant, and that represents you. The third character is the second servant, and that represents the people in our lives who have offended and hurt and wounded us. And so keep that in mind as we go through the story that Jesus tells. So here he goes in verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Remember, the king here represents God. By the way, usually when you see the word God in the New Testament, it means the Father, typically. Even though Jesus is also God and the Holy Spirit's God, but usually it's talking about the Father. And so when the Father looks at your life from the time you're born until the time you die, that entire space, he sees millions of sins because the Bible defines sin this way in John, uh, excuse me, Romans 14. Very last uh, verse of Romans 14 says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Anytime we are not relying upon, depending upon, trusting God, 
we are sinning. Wow. Wow. There's no condemnation now because we're all going to mess that up. I'm just telling you, it's easy for God to come up with millions of sins when you define it in that way. Because when we don't trust them, things that come forth from us are not always that great. By the way, even if you're doing good things, like giving a million dollars to philanthropy, but you're not depending on God when you do it, it's sin. It'll help people. It will help people. But God says, but did you depend on me? Did I lead you to do that? And so that's what we're looking at with these millions of dollars, meaning millions of sins in our lives. And so this man thinks that somehow he can pay the king back. But he's broke. He's bankrupt. There's no way he's going to be able to pay millions of dollars back to this man. And so he deserves punishment. The punishment in this case, the king is going to get as much money as he can in that day for selling him into probably slavery and his wife and his children. He'll get some. It won't be much, but he'll get some. So this king demands justice. God demands justice. He's a just God. He can't just wink and say, it's okay. He can't just say, oh, I'm grading on the curve. You're close enough. No, he demands justice. But this man falls down. He literally lays down in front of the king. Talk about humbling yourself. And he begs him to let him pay him back. He's begging for mercy, basically. He can't pay him back. But I love what happens here. It says the, his master was filled with pity. Pity there means compassion. It means mercy. And he released him from debt. There is the definition of forgiveness right there. Right there. He says, when I forgive, I release. You don't owe me anymore. That's God's forgiveness. God is saying, you don't owe me anymore for that sin. By the way, how many of your sins were in the future when Jesus died on the cross? Yeah, so, so are you going to surprise God one day by committing one that wasn't put on the cross? He's going to go, oh, no, I forgot that one. Of course not. We who are in Christ, we're going to see this in a moment, we are totally, completely forgiven. So as we, as we think about this and, and we look to see about what Jesus is saying here, he's telling us there's forgiveness. And we're going to see where that forgiveness comes from in just a moment here. Because it's really important to understand it. But let's go on with the, the story Jesus tells. He says that in this story, we, we you and me, we're like this first person. We don't deserve. We, we, have, we have this debt of sin that cannot, we cannot repay to God. And every person deserves the penalty of paying for their sins. And yet our Heavenly Father forgave our past. God's forgiven your past. Some of you need to forgive you for your past. You're holding it on. You're holding on to that. You say, but you don't know what I've done. Well, if God forgave you, you can sure forgive you. But often the most difficult person to forgive is ourselves. But don't let your standard of forgiveness be higher than God's. Because he's forgiven you in Christ. 
And he also has forgiven your present. What's going to happen today when you go out to eat? He's going to forgive you for what's coming. Excuse me, let me rephrase that. He has forgiven you for what's coming already. It's already forgiven before you do it. Ephesians 1, 7 says it this way. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins, in accordance with the riches of his grace. Where is our forgiveness found for we who believe in Jesus? What does it say? Where is it found? It's right there in the scripture. Very first words. In Christ. Forgiveness is in Christ. Are you in Christ? So if you're in Christ, you're floating around and swimming around in the ocean of God's forgiveness all the time. And, and, and you'll never get out of that big, gigantic ocean because it's too big. So you always have his forgiveness. Always. You already have it. It's in Christ, and you're in Christ, and so therefore you have it. So this, was, this is what Jesus is trying to get at with us. But then after this man is forgiven and after we're forgiven, this man finds someone who owes him some money. So let's pick up the story there in 28. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged him for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. The reason Jesus tells this part of the story is though we have been forgiven millions and millions for millions and millions of sins, often we struggle to pass that on to other people who owe us. Now, what people do to us hurts. It, 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 I mean, it feels sometimes like a million sins, but it's not. And what Jesus is saying, when you compare the amount, the magnitude of God's forgiveness for you in Christ... He's saying, will you not pass that on to someone else who doesn't forgive, uh, deserve it? And, and we struggle to forgive people sometimes, even though he's saying, pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. See, he's asking us to pass on the forgiveness that God gave us when we were undeserving. Were you deserving when God forgave you? No. And do people deserve our forgiveness? No. A lot of times they, they, uh, they haven't even asked us. They've not admitted they've done anything wrong. Uh, and, 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 and we want, look, we want them to pay, don't we? We're not going to forgive them because we want them to pay. And we think by holding on to our anger in our minds, we're going to make them pay. You know what you're doing? You're paying. You're the one paying. You've got them in the prison of your mind. You're imprisoned right up here. And that's why Jesus wants you to forgive so you can get out of that prison. Whether that person ever admits anything or not, you can be free. 
You can live free. You know why? For we who are in Christ, we are forgivers. You know why? Because the Bible says, as he, Jesus, is in this world, so also are we. We are like Jesus more than we know. He's a forgiver. He lives in you. And because he lives in you, you're a forgiver. He's holy, and you're holy. He's righteous, and you're righteous. He's patient, and you're patient. He's kind, and you're kind. He's loving, and you're loving. You're like him. You have been given from Jesus by union with him all that he is. And all that he is is now you. It's who you are. You're not Jesus. He's not you. But it's now who you are in Christ. Now, by the way, if you're here today and you don't believe yet in Jesus, but maybe you're taking steps. But if you're not there yet, you're outside of the ocean of his forgiveness. You're, you're swimming in the ocean of unforgiveness, God's ocean of unforgiveness. And you're not a, you're not a, you're not a forgiver in Christ, but you can be. You can be. Because the great forgiver, when he comes to live inside of you, he brings his forgiveness with him. He brings it with him, and when he comes to live in you, his forgiveness comes along with him. Everything we need and have comes from him coming to live in us. So see, we can have peace in the present from the pain of our past. Let me say that again. We can have peace in the present from the pain of our past. First of all, if you've never invited Jesus to come live in you, do that. He's the Prince of Peace. That's the starting place. Invite him to come live in you. Have him live in you so you can have this dynamic love relationship. I often ask people, why did Jesus come to live in you? Why does Jesus come to live in people? Well, to save us, to keep us out of hell, to, you know, to, to, to uh, make sure that we go to heaven and, and, and more. And all that's true, but I want to I just throw something out at you. I want to I share something else with you. What if he came to live in, in you also to love you from the inside? He did. To love you from within. To have an interactive relationship from within. And that is available to every single person in this room today. You invite Jesus to come in. It doesn't mean your whole life will go great. It won't. This world's messed up. People are messed up. Life will still sometimes just be messed up. But the one who loves you will be in there to go through it with you. So invite him in. It's just simple. Jesus, come live in me. I need you. My life's messed up. I need you. And he'll bring his forgiveness with him. And he'll change who you actually are. You'll be like him. You won't be God, but otherwise you'll be like him. Now, let's continue the story of how Jesus says this concludes. Verse 31, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called the man he had forgiven, and he said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow servant, 
just as I had mercy on you. Then the king, the ang- then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then Jesus concludes with a statement. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Yikes. Scary stuff right there. Let me say a few things about this. There are some people here today who uh, you don't want to forgive people. You don't feel like it. By the way, if you, wait to for, if you wait to feel like you are going to forgive somebody, you may never forgive. Because you'll never feel like it, to be honest with you. You just won't. It's a step of faith. It's a, step of cho- it's a choice. And you say, well, I, they haven't asked for it. They don't deserve it. Yeah. I don't want to think about what they did. It's too painful. It's too painful to think about what they did. I don't want to have to revisit that. You need to revisit it so you can forgive it. Or you may have vowed, I will never forgive that person. Some people say it a little differently. I'll forgive them. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. What they're really saying is they're not going to forgive them. That's what that really means. By the way, you won't forget what they did. But when you forgive, you'll still be at peace when you think about it. When I think about what that person, those people did to my daughter, man, I'm at peace. I don't feel resentment towards those people at all. My wife doesn't either. I I was uh, counseling this lady. One of our staff had said, hey, would you see this lady that lives near us? I said, sure. And we sat down for a few sessions, and it uh, didn't take long for me to realize that she was very depressed. And I said, uh, you feel depressed? She goes, yeah. I said, well, how long have you felt depressed? She said, for 70 years. She was 75. I said, wow, that's a long time to be depressed. And, and when she told me her story, I understood why she was depressed. She had been abused as a child by more than one person. Her husband had divorced her in a very nasty divorce. Every important man in her life had betrayed her somehow. I got it. I understood it. But I began to show her this story about Jesus and talk to her like I'm talking to you today about forgiveness. And I said, you know, I know that hurts deeply. I I know that you feel anger and resentment and bitterness towards these people in your life who've just abused and betrayed you. Jesus says if you'll forgive, you know, that'll be released. You can release that, and you'll have peace. And, boy, she had, her jaw got tight, and she said, I will never forgive them ever. I said, okay, I'm not going to force it. We'll go on, and we'll keep going in the counseling to something else. Because God's not going to force you to forgive, by the way, either. He's not going to make you do it. He'll say this is best for you, but he's not a tyrant. He's a father. He's a good father. He'll let you choose. But about three sessions later, she came in to see me, and um, as soon as she walked in and sat down, I thought, what happened? 
In fact, I said, what happened to you? She said, what do you mean? I said, you're at peace. Your furrowed brow is not furrowed. <laughs> the, the, your, your droopy eyes with depression is gone. The anger on your face has dissipated. It's, it's not here. What happened? She goes, I did it. I said, you did what? She said, I forgave them all. I said, really? I was shocked, to be honest with you. You, you forgave all those people that hurt you? Yeah, I went ahead and did it. I just thought I'd do it at home. I forgave them. I said, well, it shows. I didn't tell her this, but she looked about 20 years younger, to be honest with you. She really did, seriously. And so, uh, I mean, it was dramatic. Why? Because the bitterness and the burden of the resentment and the hurt and all the things she felt and the anger and the hatred, it had been lifted off of her heart. And now she was experiencing Jesus and his peace, the one who lived in her. And about two more sessions, she came to me and she said, you know what? I'm doing so well, I want to quit counseling. And I said, I think you should. I think, I think you're in a great place. Because she'd really gotten what God wanted for her. It was to experience Jesus through forgiving people that hurt hurt her. She's also the one, by the way, uh, I know some of you have read my book or some of it, and she, uh, she'd gotten about halfway through the book. It's like three sessions in, and she's halfway through the book, and she says, I just want you to know I'm getting more out of the book than I am the counseling. <laughs> I said, uh, Thanks. Hey, whatever it takes, whatever, whatever, whatever it takes. But let, let's go to this thing that Jesus says at the end, because this is pretty important, uh, where Jesus says, that's what my heavenly Father will also do to you if you refuse to forgive your brother and sister from your heart. And by the way, the man wouldn't forgive, it says. It didn't say he couldn't. Amen. He wouldn't. He wouldn't choose to do it. So in this case, Jesus says, if you don't forgive... My father's taking away your forgiveness, you're going to hell. You'll be tortured. This is before the cross, though. Be careful. This is before Jesus dies on the cross. The old covenant, the law is still in place. That's how the law worked. It was conditional. God's forgiveness was conditional. It's not that way after the cross. After the cross, the, the forgiveness of God is eternal. It's eternal. If you don't forgive, you will not go to hell, but you'll feel like hell. And you will be tortured, not, but not by God. You'll be tortured mentally because you'll keep thinking about ruminating all those things that happened to you. You'll be, uh, you'll be tortured emotionally. You already heard about the lady who was depressed. Some people have anxiety because of their lack of, uh, of, of, of forgiveness towards other people and towards themselves for that matter. Uh, you'll be tortured relationally. You know why? Because the unforgiveness in you will spill out to other people. In fact, over in Hebrews 12, it says that we're not to resist the grace of God so that a root of bitterness will spring up in us and defile or hurt many. A root of bitterness in us hurts other people around us that we love and care about. And they really haven't done much compared to what's happened to you. But now you're kind of spewing over into them what's unresolved in you. 
See, it's not just better for us. It's better for other people, too, if we forgive. And there's a fourth way that you'll be tortured. You'll be tortured spiritually. In Ephesians 4, it says this, be angry and sin not. God says, I know you're going to feel angry at times, but don't carry it around. He says, be angry and sin not. Do not give the, do, be angry and sin not. Do not give the, de- excuse me, be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down in your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. We give a devil an opportunity when we don't forgive. And go ahead and put that other Ephesians 4 back up there. This is the kind of forgiveness we have now. He says this later. It's in the same chapter. It's kind of like, you want to deal with your, your anger? Here's how you do it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And it goes on to say, for verse 32, forgiving one another just as God in Christ has forgiven you. See, we're already forgiven. He's saying, pass it on. You are a forgiver. Let's close our eyes for a moment and bow our heads. The very last thing I want to tell you, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, here's how you forgive. Ask, sit down with God and ask him to bring to mind the people he wants you to forgive. Secondly, write down their names and briefly describe what they did to you. And by the way, don't forget to forgive yourself. Most of us are so hard on ourselves. But I remember one guy said, I'm saving myself to last because I, can, I can't hardly forgive myself. We often have difficulty forgiving ourselves because we're, we just have so much disappointment with ourselves. But forgive yourself because God's forgiven you. Number three, beside each event, write a feeling word down for how you felt then or now. And then number four, tell God in prayer what each person did, how you feel about this now or back then. Then tell God this, I forgive put their name in there. I release this person. They no longer owe me. With your head bowed, your eyes closed. Let me tell you how I did this with my dad. And I've gotten forgiven. I have permission from my dad to share this. He's with the Lord now, but I got his permission to share this publicly. I grew up with a dad who loved me, but he struggled with criticism. Didn't know how to teach you how to do something. Just told you how you did it wrong. Never felt like I measured up. I grew up with a dad who was angry. I grew up with a dad who was not, did not know how to show love. And so my way of dealing with that was trying to get it right over and over and over. But I never could. And when God began to show me this, I realized I needed to release my dad. I was holding against him a lot of things. I felt hurt, rejected, bitter, resentful. So I sat down with God and I said, God, my dad hurt me several times. One of the things that happened was when I was young, I, I was able to mow the entire lawn in one day for the first time. I was so excited. When my dad got home, I ran up to his car and I said, Dad, look, I mowed the entire lawn. My dad looked out across the lawn, lawn and he said, you missed a spot. That's all he said. And I said, Lord, when he did that, that hurt me deeply. Maybe you had a bad day at work. I don't know what happened, but that hurt me. And it was a pattern. 
but I forgive my dad for that and I forgive him for the other things and I mentioned many other things and I said I release my dad he does not owe me an apology he does not owe me asking forgiveness he does not owe me love I release my dad from all the things I felt like he owed me and now I know that in Christ I have everything I need for now if you're here today and you know in listening to Jesus that you really have never invited Christ to come in you to you maybe you've been taking steps in that direction but you've never invited him to come live inside you ask him right now he'll come in he'll bring his forgiveness with him right now and then for others of you you know you need to forgive make a choice right now that at some point you will get with God and you will sit down and forgive and experience the peace and freedom he offers you thank you father for the forgiveness you have for us in Christ and thank you that because we have Christ in us we are forgivers and we can forgive those who don't deserve it in Jesus name amen you enjoy Mark today? I know you've already clapped. You know, I hope now you understand why and how my preaching changed 10 months ago. This word is true. This word is alive. This book is different than any other book that's ever been written. Because this book actually has power to free me from the prison of unforgiveness in my life. I don't have to beat myself up for someone else someone else's mistake in my life any longer I can release them if you take those four things that he gave us at the end of that message and you go home and you have a conversation with God don't don't keep this message right here go home and process it ask God to give you the names of people Talk to God about how they made you feel. Then pray to him and release them of what they owe you. I'm telling you. It'll transform. Some of you, it'll transform your face from what he told us today. All y'all gonna come in looking 20 years younger next week.
understand the power of God better than you ever have. Mark's going to be out standing at a table. If, if you brought your book from, that we gave you in March, um, he's, he, he's signing books. Um, if you didn't get a book in March, we still have, I don't know, after last service, probably about uh, five left. I'm just kidding. Probably about, um, probably about 20, 30 left. Um, but if, if you didn't get a book, um, grab one, have him sign it. Uh, you know what, if your book's at home and you haven't written in it or anything like that, get another book and bring your other book back. How's that? We'll do that for you this morning. But um, he wants to meet you. He wants to sign your books. And um, here's the thing about Mark. It's not about him. That's why I'm like, you come and you speak to my people whenever you want to, because it's not about you. It's about Jesus. And you're not my people anyway. You're God's people. And it's not about him. So as he stands and, and signs, like, listen, he's a, he's a fountain of knowledge. And I, that's why I still meet with him every week. I think he's about done with me though. So uh, <laughs> we've gotten through our counseling and we're on to bigger and better things together in Jesus' name. And we can't wait to see what God has in store for you. Would you stand to your feet? Give God a round of applause. Come on. We're going to sing a song to be dismissed and then uh, we'll meet you in the foyer. Thank you guys so much for being here. Have the greatest week you ever have because you're forgiving people, you're living in freedom. That's what freedom is, living in forgiveness. We love you.